The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live! From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us once again this week. Things are a little bit more, more back to normal this week. The UFC is back on Saturday. I just want to get out of the way i've had a hell of a day i have no idea how the show is going to go i've made it back to the beautiful berkshires just in time for this grudge match of sorts we're if we we're going to start late we we're going to start late this show was going to go on so let us not not waste any time here let's get right into this thing as we introduce two of the winningest players to compete on this program for the btl interim strap which may become a full-fledged title pretty soon but joining us once again this week is the challenger he is the host of the a-side live chat a little over two years in, in in performing this role happy anniversary to the multiple time winner on the show from mma fighting mr jose youngs hello sir you say this is a grudge match but i don't even know who i'm facing nor have i ever thought about facing anyone else on this show you keep saying I have an opponent. I've never heard of this gentleman, whoever his name is. So, no, this is not a grudge match because that means I would have to allocate mental space to whoever I'm facing today. Uh, allegedly, his name is Judd. I have no idea who that is. Uh, so I'm very delighted to uh, meet another fellow. Or well, maybe I, I, I hear he's not really an MMA journalist. He's kind of a, a fan that tweets a lot from what I gather. So I'm uh, excited to finally meet this uh, individual I've heard so much about. And you might hear the barking of the new dog in the house. I don't know what the hell he's barking at, but uh, he hasn't barked yet. But apparently between the links is now the time to bark. But uh, as we introduce the reigning defending BTL interim champ, and especially after hearing that, if you've seen him on social media since last week's show ended, 
I don't know if this matchup fully satisfies him, but I think it's a step in the right direction, I would say, as we introduce the interim champ from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, sir. Hey, Mike. I had some clever responses. Because he doesn't ever say anything of consequence. So I'm really happy to be back with you. And Casey, if I could just request, in, in lieu of my record, which is obviously excellent, winningest player in the history of the show, if you could just replace that with my record over Jose Young's. Uh, for the rest of this show, I think that, that would be a good little, little claimer up there exactly for what that is, and, and we can just we can move forward. What is that record, in case those are who are not aware? What is that record? 3-1 should be 4-0, but, I, you know, 3-1... There's, there's no rivalry. There's no ill will here. You know, just when you, when you've shown such clear dominance over somebody, it's hard to be, to be upset by. The only thing I am upset by is the absolute cowardice of Jose with Sean Alshadi, because we called the shot last week, Mike. I mean, me, Fernando Pratis, tag team champions, the uncrowned tag team champions of this show. We've never had a tag team show, but, Pretty clearly, obviously, the best team that you could have. Uh, you know, we we extended an olive branch. We wanted to pick up these these young whippersnappers in the journal. They were a shot up at the champs. Silence. The silence is deafening, as as my tag team partner said said yesterday. So that's the only beef I have. Mike, is this the jester that said he wanted to be part of the nation of domination and historically all black professional wrestling stable? I mean, Owen Hart was on there at some. I Owen mean, Hart so. transcends all race and time, so no, that <laughs> he doesn't count. So I understand Jed, this character, this individual, whoever he is, wants to be part of a uh, race, uh, a stable of fully African American professional wrestlers for whatever reason. Some of them include D'Lo Brown and then Rocky Maivia, a la The Rock. But uh, maybe he should learn about you know storylines and stuff before he adds himself into. Uh, uh, a group of men where he clearly is not what they are looking for. Look, everybody, every group has to have, you know, the, the guy dragging them down. And that's me. I can be the anchor for them. And I would you already, like to be. You already do them. that with whatever website you work at right now. You already fill that role. Oh, man. I, we haven't I, even gotten to yeah. <laughs> Wow. We haven't even got to a free, we haven't even gotten to a question yet, and we're already off and running six minutes into this program. But uh, let's get right into this. Let's get to the biggest story of the week. And for those watching right now, you can roll your eyes all you want. I get it, but it is the biggest story of the week at our circle. We found out that Jake Paul, a name I didn't think we would say on this program for at least another month or two, he has his next fight booked on August twenty eighth. He is going to fight the former UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley in a boxing match. And this probably comes to nobody's surprise because the seeds have been planted for quite some time, at least since the Ben Askren fight, maybe even before that. And now it's a done deal for Showtime pay-per-view on August 28th. So Jed Mishu, you have been all in on the madness. It took you a little bit to get there, but you are there now. What is your reaction to this fight being booked and it being a done deal for later on the summer? This is absolutely brilliant matchmaking. I'm all in on this, too. I'm all in on this from the jump. Look, hate him or love him, most people hate him. That's cool because I don't like Jake Paul either. There's not a lot to like there unless you're like 12 years old. But you cannot deny that he is he has played the MMA world like a fiddle. 
Uh, he has, he's listing emotions. Maybe they're cheap. You know, maybe it's cheap heat, but it, it's heat nonetheless. And he is playing this exactly right. Like this is how you should manage his career. You know, he, he fought a YouTuber. I think he fought like YouTuber brother or something like that. I'm not hundred percent on those couple early ones. Then he fought Nate Robinson, who's famous and an athlete, but has no combat experience. Now he fought, you know, Ben Askren who has combat experience, but isn't a boxer and he's taking the next logical jump up. Like this is exactly how you should craft his career. And it's a compelling fight. I'm here to tell you, I think Tyron Woodley's going to win this because there's a pretty big gulf between losing to Vicente Luque in MMA and losing to Jake Paul in boxing. And so like, I'm the first guy who's going to say T Woods washed. like homie's been washed for a while, but He'd have to be really washed, I think, to lose this fight. But I have questions. Like, how insane is it? Just try and turn your mind back to 2019 and be like, hey, Tyron Woodley is going to box a guy named Jake Paul. You've probably never heard of him because you're not 12 years old and on YouTube or TikTok or whatever the hell the kids are on these days. He's going to box him, and he is not going to be a betting favorite. Like, that is mind-blowing that we're here. But there's, like, real reason to it. And so I'm compelled. I want to see what happens. I want to I see this fight not for any of the ancillary shit because, again, I don't give two shits about Jake Paul. But he's a going concern in the industry we're working in, and I am legitimately kind of fascinated to see how this fight plays out. Jose, your reaction to this fight? Uh, don't hate it. Good on Tyron Willie for, as he described, making probably the biggest paycheck of his professional combat sports career. His manager, Melky Kawa, was on, spoke to our own Damon Marr on MMAfighting.com, and he was said that he described it as the best contract he has ever negotiated. Tyron's already guaranteed a million dollars before even throwing a punch. And with all of the added promotion, the pay-per-view points, they even added a rematch clause, or if he beats Jake Paul, they have to automatically rematch, which means he probably gets an even <laughs> bigger pay bump if he wins and, and runs it back with Jake Paul. So good on Tyron Woodley, good on his managers, good on his team or whatever uh, for getting him ready. I'm also very curious what happens inside the squared circle. Uh, Jake Paul, I've said this a lot with fighters such such as Greg Hardy. If it wasn't for all of the tomfoolery that is surrounding his name outside of the ring or outside of the octagon, outside of the gym, whatever you want to call it. When you speak about these individuals, that's obviously you have to bring it up. You can't just gloss it over. Jake Pauls, of course, was being investigated for sexual assault or uh, someone uh, said that he had committed and they are investigating it. So if that is true, trash human being probably shouldn't be uh, anywhere near society, let alone a boxing ring. But outside of that, if none of that happened, we would be praising Jake Paul for the route he's taking. He's taking this seriously. He's like, he's training with BJ Flores who has 34 professional boxing wins and like what, three or four losses. He's fought a couple title fights all he, uh, around the world. Uh, he is an incredibly high level boxer and he is a fantastic coach. He's uprooted his whole life from Los Angeles to go live in Puerto Rico and Miami to train boxing full time. Uh, so if it wasn't for all of this outside noise we would be talking about jake paul taking this right path but unfortunately we can't gloss over everything surrounding him so ty woodley uh has some of the best collegiate wrestling accolades we've ever seen in mixed martial arts five-time welterweight champion many people considering one of the three if not five greatest welterweights in the history of mixed martial arts up there with george st pierre matt hughes and current champion kamara Usman. he hits really really hard 
Jake Paul has done fan has phenomenal boxing training right now. He's obviously not uh, a high caliber professional boxer, as my opponent said. Losing to Vicente Luque, Luque in MMA, nothing to hang your head out. Losing to Jake Paul in boxing, probably going to be pretty embarrassing for uh, at least a good year, but eventually people move on. But I am very curious what happens inside the squared circle, especially because this is a professional boxing match this is an exhibition this is an amateur there's no headgear this is professional with judges and everything on showtime no less so i am very intrigued what happens once both men finally throw down uh whenever that is okay so jose the knock on jake paul has been you know okay step your game up you can you can knock out Mm -hmm. nate robinson knock out ben Askren, who wasn't a boxer you know obviously ben Askren, not a knockout guy on the feet now he gets Tyron Woodley, who has knocked guys out. He had a stretch where, yeah, he was a little bit trigger shy in some of these fights, especially like the last few in the UFC, but he came out guns blazing in the Luke fight, went on to lose his fourth straight, but he did show some gusto in there. So for those who have been sort of poo-pooing Jake Paul's level of competition, sort of outside the, the narrative and the other things that surround him, like, is this the right step up for him, Jose? Like, I feel like, you know, transitionally, this is the right way to go. But if he goes out there and beats Tyron Woodley... Does like the combat sports world start to take him a little more serious? Without a doubt. Anytime you fight, you like losing, like he beat Ben Askren and we all know Ben Askren was a high level mixed martial arts fighter. Uh, obviously didn't have the striking or the jujitsu to go with it, but he was so dominant at one thing. And we've talked about Douglas Lima a lot. Casey, the producer thinks he's the best, second best welterweight in the world. Ben Askren took it to him and kind of beat the soul out of him. Uh, same as uh, Koreshkov and a lot of other of these guys uh, outside of the UFC. Gets the UFC, wants to test himself. Obviously, as we've seen him get knocked out by Maslow, we've seen him get knocked out by Jake Paul now. Beating Ben Askren, who was an MMA champion, but he wasn't a UFC champion. And as I said before, a lot of people consider Tyron Woodley one of the greatest welterweights of all time and one of the most competitive divisions historically in mixed martial arts. Jake Paul beating someone with those accolades tied to him is going to be a big deal in the combat sports world. He's not beating a boxer, no, but he might get a maybe he gets another uh, boxer, a high level boxer down the road. But beating Tyron Woodley in the year of our Lord 2021 uh, will probably be will do more in legitimizing his career as a professional athlete and a professional combat sports athlete than beating Ben Askren. So, yes. Uh, the storyline is there. The competition is there. All the accolades for Ty Woodley is there. Uh, it's a professional setting and sh- on Showtime Sports. I think it's fantastic, perfect matchmaking for whatever they're trying to do with Jake Paul's career. I have no complaints. Jed, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I know you feel like this is the right step up in competition. This makes all the sense in the world for that sense. But if Jake Paul goes out there and beats Tyron Woodley, like, do we start to look at him more seriously? It's not just like, you know, a smart businessman who's picking the right fights in order to earn knockouts and get big paydays. Like, it's on Showtime now. He beats Tyron Woodley. Like, does does this do people take him more seriously if he wins? No, we live in the upside down. Like, one, I want to be clear, this is the right step up in context. This is like actually a really bad step up for him in the normal existence of worlds. Like, if you take a let's call him promising amateur boxer. I don't actually think that's maybe the right word there, but let's just say it. You wouldn't make them take kind of this level up this early, just be, especially without any amateur accolades. Cause this is honestly a huge step up for him. So like, there's a lot of danger that he loses his fight, but it's a good fight in the sense that, Hey, we we're moving him up. And if he took a Dylan Danis or something like that, 
then nobody would respect him like at all because he's he's accelerating timelines here just because he's famous and he elicits such emotion. But for those same reasons, even if he goes out and starches T Wood in the first four minutes, maybe a couple more people are like, okay, this kid's he's got something here. I don't know what, but I just don't think it's gonna get him this kind of general acclaim. I don't know that he gives a shit about that because he's just again he's trying to elicit emotion to make money, but I think the excuses will come really fast and really quick. Like we saw the same thing with Ben Askren. A lot of people came in saying, well, you know, Ben Askren's going to win. Even if Ben Askren isn't a good striker, he's still a combat sports professional. And after it was like, okay, well, Ben Askren sucks and didn't take it seriously. And he's fat. Look at him. Like who gives a shit? This doesn't mean anything. Uh, it's not just going to be the haters that do that. They're going to be a huge swath of people who go, well, he knocked out a dude who's lost his last four in a row, hasn't looked competitive in basically any of those fights. He's, you know, pushing 40 or maybe T Wood even is 40 at this point. Yeah. He's bricked up like a, like a shit house, but you know, he's, those are all, those are all fake muscles. He's not a boxer, whatever. This doesn't count. Like Jay Paul's just never, he would have to put together an incredible run over like, a lot of huge names to be respected as a boxer ever. So him beating a, you know, washed up, I actually, I won't, I won't quote that, a washed up former UFC champion. I don't think that's going to move the needle too much for him in that regard, but it is going to open doors. Like that's a big name on the resume, even if everybody thinks it's dog shit. So it's still going to create, it's going to build him to the fight that we're all heading towards. We know where this goes, Mike. It goes to Conor McGregor. That's our end road, and this is a step to get there, especially if Jake Paul can get the W. All right, last thing on this, because we got to talk about the flip side, because Tired Woodley has been a guy that probably deserved a lot more praise, a lot more respect, especially during his days as champion, because he was active. He fought the next man up pretty much every time. But he enters this fight clearly in the MMA space as the baby face here, Jed Mishu. A lot will be on his shoulders. Like you said, Ben Askren was kind of in the same position. He didn't seem to care. This was an admitted money grab for him and, and more power to him. Now he can play disc golf wherever he wants. He can build the best disc golf course in the world if he wants to because he's got the money to do so. But Woodley's a different guy, very emotional individual. So I guess how would you describe the pressure that has been placed upon him and what happens if he wins and on the other side – what happens if he loses or worse gets knocked out by Jake Paul on August 28th? If he wins, I have a lot of concerns about what's next. I mean, they'll do the rematch probably unless he goes out and immediately kills like Jake Paul, then they probably just will say like, yeah, we don't want to do that rematch. That's not good for us. But if he wins, there's even a spark of competition there. Then they'll run the rematch. So he'll get paid twice. But if he wins and then wins again, then he's he's already said that he's kind of looking to make this as a transition point for him like i'll keep doing some boxing i'll maybe some other organizations will be more interested in me and fair play to him you know more power to you to leverage the name and leverage this this opportunity into bigger things uh i don't think that's probably great for his long-term health because i like i said i think tom Woodley's pretty washed so if he fights like real fighters and not youtubers that's a far bigger likelihood that this gets short-circuited kind of very quickly for him. But grab all the cash you can, man. Get paid, get out. Uh, get paid as long as you possibly can. And there aren't going to be a ton of people lining up to pay him given the bad run he's been on. So if he can leverage this for that, great. On the other side, if he loses, it's that's got to be the end of his career. 
Like, unless he loses by DQ or some kind of real weird chicanery, I who's going to sign him to fight? I mean, there's always somebody, but I just can't see. If he gets knocked out by Jake friggin' Paul, I hope he doesn't fight again. I feel like he might he might just walk away at that point and be like, all right, obviously I don't have it anymore. Uh, I can, you know, I have a lot of other opportunities. He's nominally a rapper. Um, so I guess he can keep doing that, but he's really good in the booth. You know, he's an actor. He's actually not like that bad at that. He has a ton of talent can do anything else he wants. So I think if he loses, it's the end of his career, which is probably a good thing because he can make money and succeed in life outside of getting punched in the head. Jose, what do you think? Obviously, if he wins, he's the hero of the MMA community. You got a sour puss on your face. I'm sure you'll explain why. But if he loses, is this just like all oh, devastating to Tyron Woodley? Like to Ben Askren, he didn't care. I feel like Tyron won't approach it the same way. My opponent laid out all these things that mo- some I agree with. Don't quite agree with him being, quote, good in the booth. I don't agree with that whatsoever. I also don't kind of not a very good actor is he in memorable scenes sure did he get his junk bit off by a raccoon he did does that mean he's a good actor no it doesn't how, how is, is it that, memorable explain to me how that's bad acting have you it's ever had bad acting it is have it is bad acting well i can't say i ever have nor do i ever plan on it but that's good acting in the sense that you like bad heavyweight action and you think Steve Miocic is kind of an overrated heavyweight, which just shows that he's a great heavyweight because you think bad heavyweight fighting is good, just like getting your junk bit off is good. It's not. It's bad. It's not great um, for you. It's not no a good look. You, do you know what his IMDB says for that role? It's literally like fool or idiot or dummy. And that's what I felt he is for taking that role. Anyway. to perfection. There are no small parts, Jose Youngs. Well, I will will take your expertise in playing the fool. So if if he played to perfection, I will take your word for it because I have myself never played a role quite like that. So you yourself apparently have been playing that role for as long. How I don't even know how old you are, young man. So uh, congratulations to you for being the expert in that role. But anyway, Tyron Woodley, if he wins and then beats Jake Paul again, give him Logan Paul. Why not? Just make a bunch of money knocking people out that people want to see get knocked out. You beat Jake Paul twice. Why not go after the older brother with wrestling pedigree? Hell, box him. And then the rematch can be an, a wrestling match. Logan Paul plays fifth in Ohio high school wrestling. Ohio is a like a hotbed. It is a murderer's row every year in high school and collegiate wrestling. So say what you want about the Paul brothers, especially Logan Paul for what he did in Japan and that whole idiocy and what 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 Jake Paul's been has been accused of logan paul plays placing fifth in high school wrestling in the state of ohio as our own damon martin will will attest is nothing to hang your head at if time Woodley knocks out both paul brothers and then wrestles them and then takes his soul in wrestling beating someone that how old is he like 40 and twice these two these individuals age that's a lot of money he can make and they're prize fighters after all so to tyron woodley just keep if you win you get a lot of money and then guess what you don't have to play quote the fool anymore or put out bad music just go knock out people and wrestle people that people want to see lose and that can be your slot in life and you know what you can be the baby face moving forward against all these youtube people what if he loses 
My opponent just said, you know, that he's never been the fool and then comes out with the most Mike Goldberg. Well, he finished fifth in high school wrestling. Like, I don't care what state it is. It's, he didn't even win. And even that's not an accolade that matters, especially John, if we're talking about John Jones. John Jones didn't win state wrestling either. And he had John Jones came in third in high school wrestling. I think he had a pretty good combat sport career. Matt Riddle actually won that year. He had a decent combat sports career and he's parlayed that into making a lot of money so high school wrestlers go do your thing don't listen to my uh uh my opponent right now if you place fifth good on you that's still better than most people in the world absolutely outlandish you know what happens mike if tyron woodley wins he boxes conor mcgregor that's what happens get paid that way i'd watch the shit out of that and so would you <laughs> so this is the Connor sweepstakes that they're fighting for. So yeah, there's way more on the line than we thought. Right now. <laughs> well, more on this in the coming months. It is happening. We will not be talking about it every week on this program, but we will be talking about it as we get closer and closer. But we're going to move ahead to more MMA-related stuff in round two. But the point for our opening round goes to... Jed Mishu on the board, one to nothing. Hell of a first round. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. As we move ahead 
to the return of the Ultimate Fighter. Yes, the comeback season has officially kicked off with middleweights and bantamweights and Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. The great coaches of the season picked their teams. We had our first fight. Andre Petrosky submitted Aaron Phillips in the first round. We have our first bantamweight matchup set for next week. The first overall pick was Mitch Raposo, a New England regional standout. A lot of eyes upon him. He's going to fight Team Ortega's Ludwig uh, Shalinian, I believe is his name. But that should be a great fight. But uh, I'm curious, Jose, did you partake in the return of the Ultimate Fighter? If you did, what did you think? And if not, why did you choose not to watch it? Uh, I chose not to watch it, not because I hate it, nor do I want it to go away. I'm pretty indifferent to the Ultimate Fighter. If he gives these fighters a platform to make money moving forward, have at it, man. I mean, freaking Julian Lane is still kind of relevant when he does bare knuckle boxing just for something he screamed on the Ultimate Fighter. So uh, don't particularly care whether it stays or goes. I didn't watch it because I took a date to unplug and go hike on a mountain. I did some sort of uh, physical strenuous activity which my opponent, as I can kind of, I just assume, has never particularly done. Uh, so I think he gets outwinded when he stands up from whatever couch he's sitting on. Probably not even couch, a stool of sorts, because he likes to pretend that he is a relevant combat sports experience boxer. So I imagine he's one of those guys that just sits on a box of stool and yells at a computer all he wants because he's lived it, man. I'm sitting here doing it. But no, I did not watch it. Will I watch it? Maybe, uh, especially if uh, there's some good fights on it. Uh, but no, I did not watch it, but I am indifferent whether it stays or goes. Did you watch, Jed? I mean, something tells me you, you probably didn't, but maybe you did. I don't know. And if did, <laughs> did you watch it? Why, well, in God's name, when I watched that, no. Also, for the record, Mike, ran six miles this morning, eat a bag of, I don't think I can say the word that I want to finish with those. Eh? Uh, <laughs> but no, I don't watch it because why would I watch this? Like, I'm... I'm loath to give Jose props, but like I'm with him. I don't care if it's on. Like it's, I, I question the idea that like tough is the way to make money in the UFC or, or build a name. Uh, Cause so few people watch it. And realistically, I just, it just doesn't seem like there are better options, contender series, or, you know, just fighting it out on the regional circuit and then signing an individual contract, which we've seen fighters do before, but I'm totally fine for it to be here. Uh, my biggest beef with the whole thing, honestly, is not that it exists, but that because it exists, um, coaches just turn into awful humans. And so like, Alex Volkanovsky is now doing this whole manufactured beef thing with Brian Ortega that nobody really buys. And even if it's true, it's just the lamest ass thing I've ever heard. Yeah, he seems really fake. Okay, can you give us some examples? No, he just seems fake. Like, sweet. What a savage beef you two have. Like, it's just, it's turned on for the cameras and it sucks. It's transparent and awful. You don't need anything to sell this fight. Like, this is a dope fight between two of the best 145ers in the world. Uh, and that's honestly just going to detract from it as Brian Ortega and him snipe at each other for the next few months. Like, so that's, you know, my only issue with it. And it's not really with it, but with kind of what it creates by, by existing, what it leaves in its wake. But other than that, I mean, it's fine. You know, if people like it, I'm not here to yuck your yum. Uh, good on whoever's in there. And I'm not going to watch an episode. Why would I watch an episode, Mike? That takes up 60 of my minutes, which are precious. They're very precious. I do a lot of important things. Uh, and instead, I can read our recaps by our own Alex K. Lee 
on MMAfighting.com the morning after. I can just do that instead. Way better. There you go. Way to, way to put over one of your teammates, Jed. So my one of my biggest issues with The Ultimate Fighter is not the show itself because I, I do like the concept. I think it shines some light on the regional MMA scene. I prefer, obviously, the Contender Series more because it's all about the fights. Yeah, we get some backstories, but it's about the fights and the fighters, and it's just like we get through five fights in like two hours at the most, and it's just like, damn, this is good, and it happens every week. Tough to me is the same show we have seen for 20-something seasons. Like Outside of the Apex replacing the Tough Gym and having upgraded equipment, it is exactly the same show. I cannot believe we still have friggin' basketball jerseys. We're still doing the basketball jersey thing in season 29. It's the same friggin' show. So I'm curious, Jed, like, can the show evolve at all? Like, is it even possible? Like, is there anything the UFC can do to make this more interesting to you? Like, what would make you watch The Ultimate Fighter and, like, go out of your way to watch it on a weekly basis? The only way, so no is the answer. As long as Dana White's there, no, because Dana White believes that uh, tradition, you can't, you don't mess with tradition, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. How long did Gladys, like, it's, we don't change. We're in the stream, and this is the stream we're going down until we all die. So they're going to be wearing jerseys. They're not going to have phones. They're going to get drunk and destroy property because that's, that's what it is, and that's what we're going to be. Uh, unless they did a fundamental overhaul. And even, I don't, I'm not even sure what that looks like. The only way for them to make me watch is the way that they've made me watch over the last 10 years, basically. The only seasons I've watched are the ones where their title was on the line. Because <laughs> the tough title doesn't mean anything. It's great. You you won a tournament, uh, and that's fine. Like, cool, you get a contract, but everyone on the show gets a contract. But when they did at the 20, I think season 20 was the straw weights and they claimed a title, even though the two best straw weights weren't actually on that season. Uh, like I watched that because that mattered and that's the only way they can do it. Maybe if they did like a featherweight one, like a, a women's featherweight one where it wasn't just a bunch of bantam weights who didn't have to cut as much weight. It was like actual featherweights. Maybe I might do that because that it, like all of those women would suddenly be in the UFC but outside of that, that's it. Like, give me an atom weight one. You do an atom weight tough, I'll watch. Otherwise, I'm going to leave that to, to the AK Lees of the world, and I will just read recaps. What do you think, Jose? Is there is there anything that would make this, like, must-watch viewing for you? I mean, it's something, like, you could binge-watch if you don't feel good, if you want to catch up on stuff. You could read the recaps, et cetera. But is there, like, anything that they could do at this point to make you feel like, oh, man, it's Tuesday night. Julia, we can't go on a date because I got to watch The Ultimate Fighter. Like, what what could they do at this point? Well, first, I would like to respond to my opponent. He said that he ran six miles. Probably not true. Let's be honest. That's probably six boxes of Rolos. Uh, yes, Rolos, a very overrated candy for a very overrated Rolo, person. Rolos, a box. What the hell are you talking about? You will this find a way. Rolos. You, Come on, bro. When I say a box, I mean a box of Rolls. A box of rolls of Rolo. So let's be honest. You probably didn't run six miles. Second, he said that he reads the recaps. He can't read. So again, probably not true. So anyway, now that we have those out of the way, I'm going to fact check this man every time. So he's over two on things that he's, again, probably didn't do, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, this man said he <laughs> wants more weight classes and this and that. We've heard it all before. Mike, actually, you've asked me this question on a past iteration of Between the Links. 
pre-MMA fighting, which guess who won? This guy. I beat MMA Junkie's own Nolan King. You asked me this question, I'm going to say the same thing. I don't care what weight classes. I don't care about titles. I don't care about any of that because people still aren't going to watch. I want K1 style selection process with the ping pong balls. You pull out number one, you go stand on a life-size bracket on when you want to fight. Number two pulls it out. He can either fight the guy or he can pick when he fights. And then he stands on, again, a life-size bracket. Japan's combat sports, they just do it right, ladies and gentlemen. Everything from the posters down to the selection process, which Scott Coker of Bellator straight up copied. And we all loved it. Our own Casey Lydon and Esther were there. And for the selection process for the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix, and it was universally praised for being fantastic. It it planted seeds for storylines without even throwing a punch. I mean, the fact that Patricio Pitbull could have fought AJ McKee and this and that, and he didn't, he wanted the later, the later date, and then they ended up working out anyway, and then just the seeds were planted. Don't care what weight class. Hell, make it an open weight. I don't even I don't care about that either. Make it a bunch of veterans. Don't care either. Make it a redemption. Make it a, a tough return of fighters outside the UFC. Don't care. I just want a crazy ping pong ball selection process selection process with a life-size bracket and storylines there and Badahari and Overeem can jibber jab at each other from across the across the way in this hotel room and then they can get in a fist fight on the floor when someone when Badahari straight up kisses a man and then he just like he just like bottles this man in the face I love it all and that's what I want don't care about weight classes I just want a crazy selection process with the crazy pride ladies screaming and everything that's what I want and that is the only way to fix the ultimate fighter. <laughs> I knew there was some sound effect coming, but uh, Jed, do you have a, a retort? You have a look on your, you, oh, you have that sure look on your eye. I spaced out. He acted like it was impressive to beat Nolan King in anything. I was like, oh, this, this has not, no value. It's really not. I was mostly re- remembering a time when I defeated four MMA oh, when you actually got a win on this show instead of just losing to me. That's, those were good times for you. I'm sure. <laughs> it was. Again, you're acting like you're acting like we've met before. Like I understand in your dreams, maybe that you've you've concocted these scenarios where you've met Jose Youngs in your in your travels. It just hasn't happened, my man. So keep telling yourself that, uh, and I'll just actually, keep playing along and be like, "Cool guy, go back to eating your Rolos and your raisinets or whatever you're feasting on these days." No joke, Mike. I had a dream that I had a, a serious opponent for BTL this week, and I was I was supposed to face Leoto Machida, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's that might be tough." Again, and- Mike, who did Mike, who did he All call right, out last week? Mike, who did this individual call out last week? Attacking against who? Oh, okay. So why are you calling out individuals that you claim are worthy opponents? Are you trying to quote take the easy way? Through life, probably again, probably, yeah. probably true. Because yeah. you, uh, as you, no, it's not. easy to, it's very easy to say you ran six miles. It's another thing to actually get up out of your chair and go upstairs. So yes, continue to call out people you think are easy. Continue on, Mike. I apologize for my opponent yeah. for interrupting you. Well, I know, uh, I know, Alex Kaylee will not be thrilled about any negative talk regarding the Ultimate Fighter and. Uh, no besmirching the New England man, Nolan King. Good, good, good dude. Uh, we'll move along. It is AK's birthday after all, so we will not besmirch the Ultimate Fighter any longer. Uh, the point for round Happy two birthday, goes to. 
I mean, how could you not give it to the emotional Jose Youngs after just laying it out there with passion? Absolute passion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I dig the personal attacks. I think the fans dig it. They 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 want to see. They they feel like Jose hey, has man. turned this into a sort of a street beef. There's beef. Oh, that's how you fix tough. You just give it to the street beef guys. <laughs> Let them do the fights or the fight service people. That makes it tough immediately. I don't want to get out of that. You're you're you're. <laughs> You were like 30 seconds too late on, on, on these ideas, Jed. I feel like you could have gone off on a, on a wonderful tangent there that we could have clipped off and could have remembered oh, for years rat. to come. But <laughs> that was the Ultimate Fighter. We're going to move ahead to this weekend's action. The UFC is back with UFC Vegas 28, headlined by a heavyweight matchup between Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Augusto Sakai. And... Yes, there are certainly some very interesting fights on this card, but with all due respect, this probably isn't a card that uh, a good amount of fans are going to cancel their plans for. And if you told me a year ago that Augusto Sakai's next two fights would be main events, I probably would not have believed you. So, uh, so Jed, what do you think, man? After a week off from UFC action, is this the kind of events that you are excited to come back to? Dude, if you told me after he lost to Overeem that his next fight would be a main event, I'd be like, well, that that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, this card's trash. Uh, there's just no other way to put it. Um, it's the kind of trash that I actually like more than most because we have three heavyweight fights on it, so that's dope. Uh, but the main event is probably going to be an awful fight. <laughs> just straight up, it's going to be terrible. Uh because Jairzinho Rosenstrike, he, he's like a heavyweight bad version of Yoel Romero, if that can give you – like he'll just like not do anything for a really long time, and then suddenly he'll just do something really violent, and then that finishes the fight. Uh, but he's not as good as Yoel Romero, so that's less cool. And he's certainly not as like bricked up as Yoel. Uh, and Augusto Sakai is – he's one of those guys who – God bless him. Like he's he's doing all the right things. Like he has a game that fits together. It's like clearly intentional and thought out. And he just does not have the raw tools to to succeed at the very upper bounds of this sport. Like he he went to a split decision with 40-year-old Andre Olavsky, guys. Like, and then he lost to 40-year-old Alistair over him. Like he just he doesn't have the physical tools to compete at like the tops of the heavyweight division, which are really defined by things like power, athleticism, and durability. And so he's probably going to be like winning this fight via activity right up until the moment he loses his fight because Rosen Strike can punch really hard and is like way more athletic than Augusta Sakai is. And so it's, it's going to be kind of boring, but it might have a cool finish. And card is you are very charitable by saying that there are some good fights on this card there are some fights on this card uh and that's that's the nicest i can say about it like it's it's an event it's an event that's happening i think there are some some pretty good fights on this card jose maybe maybe there maybe you see some interesting fights on this card jose what are your thoughts on uh on this upcoming event coming up in a a little less than 48 hours from right now well, 
I wouldn't say this is the gonna, you know, people aren't gonna change the channel from the NBA playoffs for this game on ESPN Plus or for this fight card on ESPN people Plus. But there are change some... the channel from Antiques Roadshow for this card. <laughs> well, first of all, no one changes the channel from Antique Roadshow. They just keep it on in the background uh, while they're doing things around the house. So poor, poor example right there. Uh, there are some fights that I am intrigued by, but it seems like there's a lot of fights. Uh, with with fight involving fighters that are coming off losses that probably should have gone them over the edge, like you know Yusuf Salal. I think he was what like three and oh four and oh something like that last year, and then he kind of hiccuped. Uh, Sean Woodson, who has a bunch of throat tattoos, which I'm all about in MMA. Anytime you got a face or a throat tattoo, Jose is going to tune in and watch you do things. Dusko Todorovic was a, was a bright prospect. He lost to Puna Soriano on Fight Island. Uh, like Ariana Lipsky, Montana De La Rosa, Al- Alan Patrick, Marquan Americani. Like these are all guys. And, and and ladies that they had a nice string of wins and then they kind of hit that roadblock where like, oh, if they win this, maybe it means they're legit and they all lost. Same as uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio's last fight, losing to the Leeds pretty badly. Miguel Baeza is every definition of the word a phenomenal prospect at welterweight. So I'm glad to see him him getting a big step up in competition against Santiago Ponzinibbio. I actually think that should be the co-main event, if not a five-round main event. Uh, we've seen Jairzino Rosenstreak in five-round main events before. His last one against Cyril Gaon. I can't remember a single thing that happened in that fight outside of Cyril Gaon winning and Dana White being like, well, that was a fight. And then he pretty much lost four rounds in four minutes and 30 seconds against Alistair Overeem for slicing his face open. Uh, and even Overeem, he popped right back up, but it looked real bad. Uh, so whatever, one fair and square. So don't particularly have any interest in seeing the main event in five rounds because, of course, I want to see Ponzinibbio and uh, Baez in five rounds. So... Again, not not really at home about, but there are fights that I'm clearly intrigued by. Uh, also, because I like mixed martial arts and I like uh, you know the, a lot of these fighters specifically. So yeah, I'll watch. Uh, I work for MMAfighting.com, of course, but I don't know if a lot of people are going to be tuning in uh, with all the other sports and circuses going on in the world right now. I saw um, a comment saying somebody's watching for Yusuf Salah. I did have the opportunity to speak to the Moroccan devil yesterday, as a matter of fact. So that interview will probably drop tomorrow. Uh, really interesting stuff from him uh, coming up back-to-back losses. But, uh, Jose, back to you. Right now we got Sakai getting his second straight headliner. Last appearance, as Jed said, got stopped by Alistair Overy in September. Rosenstrike enters his second straight main event. He's lost two out of three. One was the brutal knockout to France and Ganu comes back with the knockout of JDS, but then he lost a not so exciting decision to Cyril Gan. And it seems like both guys really need this one. It seems like they're both pretty far away from title contention at this point, especially with the John Jones factor and Derek Lewis and all that craziness. They seem to the UFC. That is, they seem to like both of these guys to keep putting them in these spots. So who needs this one more Sakai to like just further cement his name a little more householdy or Rosenstrike just to, to get back on track here. I mean, anytime you're coming off a loss and you're losing kind of badly, every, like no matter what you're going to need to win. And both men are in must win. I think Jairzino Rosenstrike is probably a little more popular in the eyes of MMA fans. And I say that a little, cause I, neither man have kind of crossed over into the mainstream whatsoever. I think I know a few, uh, non MMA fans who they go, who's that guy that got his face cut open. I'm like, Oh, it was Overeem and Jairzino Rosenstrike. 
beat him. They're like, oh, cool. And like, that's all they know Jairzy and Rosenstreet by. He, at least, as my opponent said, like, y'all are like, like y'all Romero has the threat of doing something exciting. Uh, I can't really remember much of Augusto Sakai's fights at all. I think he looked good against Overeem for like maybe a minute and a half before Overeem kind of pieced him up there at the end. But Cyril Ghan, I can vividly remember him knocking out uh, uh, Junior Dos Santos, him uh, cutting Overeem's face in half. And then I remember being in Madison Square Garden and everyone was questioning why he was getting this massive step up in competition uh, against um, Andre Arlovsky. And then we saw what happened there. And then what was his fight against Alan Crowder was like nine seconds. So at least the threat of something exciting happening is there with Rosenstreak. I don't really get that sense at all with Augusto Sakai, so I would imagine he is in much more need of a win and to win, have something memorable in his career because I can't think of anything right now. Do you agree with him, uh, Jed? What do you think? Who needs this one more and why? Unequivocally, Sakai. Like, Jairzinho Jr. Rosenstreich, yeah, he's lost two of his last three. He was in what is what was functionally a title eliminator. Like, yeah, and Ganu knocked him out in 12 seconds, whatever the hell that was. But, like, he he got there. He got very close to competing for a UFC title because he entered the UFC and had, like, four or five knockouts in a row. Like, he – people maybe don't know him other than that he's, like, maybe somebody who's like, oh, isn't there a fighter from Suriname in the UFC? But, like, he's – he clearly is in a better position to bounce back from a loss here. Granted, losing to Augusto Sakai is a bad loss. Like, that's just not something you want on your record. But he could put together a couple of knockout wins and find himself very quickly back up up that contention. Sakai, he's he's just not very good. And again, I feel bad because he try like he's clearly doing everything right, but he he does he's not memorable and so the only way he can succeed like really climb the ladder is he's gonna have to win seven in a row at heavyweight and so every loss is cataclysmic because it just puts him right back to the bottom of the ladder and he's the kind of fighter that if he takes a couple losses they'll send him papers because nobody knows who he is he doesn't really bring anything of major value so this is way more critical for him uh, and I, I don't think it's going to work out for him, honestly. Jed, we like to compare and contrast whenever we can on the show. And, you know, we have this event. Of course, the UFC is the big pay-per-view, UFC 263, loaded show next weekend with the title fights and Nate Diaz and all that. So not really fair to compare it to next Friday's Bellator card. But this card on Saturday, would you take this one or Bellator 260 with Lima and Am- Amosov for the welterweight title in their main event. If you can only choose one, I feel like Bellator wins a lot of these arguments on paper. Do they win this one too? For sure. For sure. For sure. Like, well, one, always super important. I'm looking at the Bellator card right now. Uh, you know what the, the single best thing the UFC does is when they put together a trash ass card like this, they always make it 14 or 15 fights because what's better than watching awful things than watching awful things for the entire day while there's NBA playoffs going on. Who wouldn't want to do that? Uh, Bellator has a tight 11 fights. Five of them are on the main card, and two of them are, are pretty good. Like, Paul Daly, Jason Jackson, that's a banger. I'm I'm absolutely in on watching that as the co-main. Main event, Douglas Lima, Yaroslav, uh, Yaroslav M- Amosov. That's an awesome fight. Like, Amosov is a billion and O, and Douglas Lima is arguably the best fighter not in the UFC at this point in time. 
uh, a tremendous welterweight. That is, that's as good as you can make a fight realistically right now. I absolutely love that main event. The co-main event, like I said, it's a banger. You get Aaron Pico. You get, we talked about last week, 10th ranked Bellator. Uh, what, flyweight? Vanessa Porto is, is going to finally compete. Hopefully she can get a win and claw her veteran ass. <laughs> Eight nine Hannah guy and uh, what the hell is that girl's name? Valerie Lareda. Maybe she can finally surpass them in Bellator's rankings with a win. Uh, Tyron Claxton's fighting. Like I'll take this. Nick Newell's fighting. Who doesn't like a Nick Newell fight? Like give me Bellator ten times out of ten over this UFC card. Jose. Yeah, I mean, Douglas Lima, as my opponent says, is probably one of the best, if not the best, fighters outside of the UFC right now. I personally put Kyoji Horiguchi at the top of that list, but uh, it's him and Lima, like 1-2 or 1-A, 1-B, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the Bellator has in Amasov. For all we know, we could be having a completely different argument. Like, we could be saying, just how good is Amasov? Is he the best in the world? Like, uh, who was it? After Sabatelli won, all of a sudden, everyone on our side is like, is he the best bantamweight in the world right now? Just because he just led blankets, high-level fighters like Brett Johns. I'm like, probably not, but at least we're having this conversation right now. So maybe Amasov is one of those conversations we have. I'll watch Paul Daly do anything. I'll watch Paul Daly make a bowl of cereal. And I will be transfixed by whatever this man does. So, yeah, I'm going to watch him fist fight another human being. Adding Jason Jackson to the mix, I'm all for it. I feel like I'm doing Bell- a lot better job than Bellator does at selling these fights. Watch that fight. Watch the UFC fight. You know why? Because if you like MMA, just watch both. You don't have to choose. They're on different days. But if you have a gun in my head and you're making me pick one, hey, I'm confused why you're making me pick between two MMA cards. My life is not that important. So, yeah, watch Bellator if your life is in threat over choosing one. So, uh, Aaron Pico's great. Uh, Tywin Claxon's great. Nick Newell's great. Uh, fun times all around at Bellator, but watch both if you want. Because it doesn't really in the in, in the end game. It's not like we're trying to solve the Israeli conflicts right now. We're just watching fist fighting for a living. So do whatever your heart desires. Mike, I'm going to agree with my opponent. His life is not that important. I'm going to disagree yeah. though. That <laughs> the the question isn't whether you like MMA. It's whether you like yourself. And if you like yourself, have a Saturday night with the family. You know, drink a couple beers with your friends. Go outside. Do any number of things other than watch 15 fights of mediocre <laughs> to bad UFC fights. You can read the recaps. We're going to have them up. You come, I don't know who's doing them. Just go read them. If there's something big, guess what? We're going to put the highlights on the site. You can just watch those. And you can have eight to ten hours of your life to do anything you want. Anything. You could read a book. You could fist fight someone yourself. Anything you want to do, the world is your oyster. If you like yourself, don't watch the UFC on Saturday. But tune in to MMAfighting.com. Again, my opponent, my opponent <laughs> keeps acting like he can put sentences together in his mind. Can't do it. He again probably can't read. So disregard that. He's also saying crack open a beer uh, and have some fun with your friends. I don't think my opponent is legally allowed to drink in the United States. I think you have to be 21 to do that. I think he's a little too young for that. And again, have him having a, a quote unquote fizzy pop going down to the sop pop with his friends also needs a group of individuals <laughs> that want to be around this man while watching television. So uh, take my opponent's word with a grain of salt. Again, Mike, apologies for my opponent for that rambling, incoherent tomfoolery. Next question, please. 
I feel like you're mixing your metaphors with sock hop, which is an old people term, and I'm too young to drink. No, see, not, not in, this, in this in this that. world, in this world, people are like people go to a sock hop in the year 2021. Well, he definitely has to be older than 17 years old. We definitely won't question that. So you are trying to portray yourself as a more mature uh, individual, maybe uh, as we say, grown up. Uh, so yes, my metaphor stands. Nice to hear from Jose Young's Bill Cosby sweater joining us in the chat this week. It's always uh, good to see him. Dr. Alan Grant was here earlier. Uh, and I, I know one person, I know one person who doesn't feel that Danny Sabatello is the best Bantamweight in the world. It is Jed Mishu, who, if you watched the show last week, said Rob Fonts is the Rob best Fonts, baby. <laughs> Rob Font, best Bantamweight in the world, New England cartel all day. We are trying to create some some good juju here. And normally when we talk about these cards on paper and it's not getting tremendous reviews, it usually exceeds expectations. And, you know, hopefully that happens here. We're trying to plant some positive seeds. But uh, we'll move ahead. The point for round three goes to... Jed stole it at the end. I got to give it to him. That was that was a good thing. That was that was a good little uh, that was a good little friendly reminder to the world that you know fighting is awesome, but there's other things in the world as well, and just good stuff. We already know where this is going, but hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called "The Future of Work," where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Let's let's move on and let's talk about... Uh, an interesting piece of matchmaking that we haven't touched on yet. I've wanted to, but we've had some busy weeks in the world of combat sports. This is not the busiest week in combat sports. So I figured now is as good a time as any. UFC 264 is a crazy looking fight card right now. We just saw that Carlos Condit is now on this card. He's fighting Max Griffin. Of course, there's Poirier McGregor 3. There's Wonderboy Gilbert Burns. Nico Price versus Michelle freaking Pajeda is on this card. The list goes on and on. But I wanted to touch on... One fight in particular, I wanted to touch on the return of the Motown phenom, Kevin Lee. His first fight since the submission loss to Charles Oliveira in March of last year. He's moving back up to 170. He's dealt with a bunch of gnarly injuries along the way. He tore one ACL, and as he was getting ready to come back, he tore, tears the other ACL. The dude has just had a string of bad luck that is just unbelievable. But he's moving up to 170, and his opponent... The undefeated Sean Brady. This is an interesting booking, Jose Youngs. Do you dig this one? Is this the right fight to make for Kevin Lee's return? Uh, I don't want to use the word right and wrong just because I like high-level martial arts competitions regardless of whether it's a, quote, big money fight or high-level name or whatever you want to call it. Just want to see high-level competition. Uh, I will never say Kevin Lee has ever looked for an easy way out. Uh, it's called out Isla fight Islam Makhchev in Russia, chose to fight Charles Oliveira in Brazil, called out Gregor Gillespie to fight in his home city of New York City. So Kevin Lee is about that life. He'll fight whoever, wherever, whenever, uh, as long as, of course, he's in the top 15. Uh, yeah, awesome fight. Uh, they both have 
five wins over Jake Matthews, oddly enough. What uh, Sean Brady beat him, what, in 2020, 2019? Pretty sure Kevin Lee did that like all the way back in 2016 when he was still cutting his teeth in the UFC. So uh, we've obviously seen Kevin Lee well to weight before, but the guy was against RDA, which is they were basically just two lightweights, just not cutting weight. Kevin Lee, in addition to a dope head tattoo, and I say dope head, head tattoo because I like any crazy head or face tattoo or neck tattoo in any sport because it's hilarious and fantastic to me. The fact that he did a samurai, uh, uh, half samurai helmet is just puzzling to me, and I love everything about it. Uh, I love this fight uh, in terms of the actual competition inside the cage. Sean Brady, as you said, is undefeated. Uh, very underrated, uh, not underrated because that's kind of his bread and butter, but I think when people view Sean Brady, uh, they don't say, oh, that this man is a high-level grappler. He's a high-level submission artist. He's very good at grappling, and he's very good at choking people unconscious. He wanted to fight Damian Maia. So, again, not going to say Sean Brady's ever looking for an easy fight either. So uh, I think it's a good fight for where both of these men are in their career. It's the UFC 264, which is obviously a massive pay-per-view headlined by Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor 3. Uh, so all eyes are on these two gentlemen. Uh, A-plus all-around matchmaking. I know Kevin Lee wanted to fight Mike Perry, which probably would have done – more in terms of the trash and the buildup and all oh, my face tattoo is better than your head tattoo. And I'm here for that conversation. It's the answer is Kevin Lee's head tattoo, by the way. So, but in terms of an actual fist fight on uh, two high level fighters, Kevin Lee versus Sean Brady checks all of my boxes. I'm sure uh, Sean Brady's tattoo game is, is pretty on point for Jose Young's as well. I, will, I, I do want to, a... he's trying to, he's lasering a lot of it off. Don't worry. I got to the bottom of it. So uh, I don't know what else he has. He has great tattoos. It's just not done yet. Fair enough. What do you think, Jed? Jose saying the A plus matchmaking. Do you do you agree with the sentiment? Kevin Lee versus Sean Brady. Is this uh is this A plus matchmaking? It's a B. Like the main problem here is everybody knows who Kevin Lee is and nobody knows who Sean Brady is. Like maybe it's that he has a creative fighter name and that's like really tough to overcome. Like Anthony Smith fought for a, a, a UFC title and I'm still not sure anyone knows who the hell he is. Cause that name, that's just hard when you Google and they're like in any given town in America, there are probably 10 Sean Brady's like small towns, you know, 500 people biggest thing they got's a super Walmart. They're going to be a couple Sean Brady's. That's a really tough thing to overcome unless you're making some standout performances and yeah, Great grappler, got a couple subs in his last few fights. Also went to a decision with Court McGee, so that's not really uh, that's not putting your name on the marquee super well. So that's that's the big problem here. From an actual competitive standpoint, it's a great fight. You're probably going to see some really sick grapples, and I'm here for that. Like from a X's and O's, good fight. But Kevin Lee is a name. Kevin Lee hasn't figured out what weight he wants to be at. That's a bit of a problem because he should make a choice. Uh, but it's just like. Look, uh, the Mike Perry fight is worse because Mike Perry is not as good a fighter as, as uh, Sean Brady, whose name I almost just screwed up because that's how it is as a name. It's a terrible name, man. I'm very sorry for you that that was burdened with you and you wanted to be famous. That's really going to hold you back. So, yeah, it it's it's just tough for me, man. Like Kevin Lee should be fighting somebody like Mike Perry because if he really does want to make a welterweight run, Mike Perry gives him – kind of a, okay, people know this guy. Yeah, he's maybe not that good, but we know you're a really good lightweight. Let's put you in, and then let's put you in marquee matchups. Kevin Lee is a marquee fighter, and Sean Brady, maybe he'll get there because he's 13 or 14 and 0, whatever the hell he is, and he's obviously very talented, but he's not there yet, so this feels like they're giving him a chance to maybe get a big win over Kevin Lee, 
but I don't know that that's going to work out for him. And the downside of it's, it's substantial. Like you, you should be putting Kevin Lee against, I don't know, Vicente Luque is a little too high after the inflated Tyron Woodley win, but you should be putting him somewhere there. Like Hamza Chimaev, Kevin Lee, that's, that's a pretty sick fight. Like Kevin Lee would do it. Cause the one thing my opponent said that was not wrong is Kevin Lee is about that life. So he should be fighting marquee fighters. This feels like a bit of a step back for him, honestly, in that regard. But from an X's and O's standpoint, you can't knock the fight because they are both really, really good at fighting. Yeah. Kevin Lee has always had the makings of a big star. I mean, it's an action fighter. The KO of Gregor Gillespie was just absolutely insane. Obviously, he's a good looking dude. He's got the gnarly head tattoo, as Jose alluded to. He's about that life. I mean, he's calling out Islam. He was calling out Habib before Habib was that guy and became like the champion and the retired 29-0 fighter. I mean, Kevin Lee wanted to fight Habib for years. He was the only guy calling for that fight outside of maybe Tony Ferguson. But the man can also cut a promo. The man with a microphone in his face can produce some magic. He has everything outside of specifically his last six fights. He's two and four. He does. Mike, Mike, we can't talk about Kevin Lee and not mention the fits man has has fantastic style he does he dresses like a star he he lives that star life he does have the awesome knockout of greg gillespie but he's two and four in his last six he's been submitted three times in those four losses he's got his hands full on july 10th jed Mishu, no doubt about that so i'm curious with all those accolades him being having that star potential being about that life having the marquee name is this like i don't know if do or die is 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 the right way to put it but is he in like absolute unequivocal must-win territory right now does he have to win on july 10th or he's in big big trouble he needs it like it's not do or die but again it it goes back to what i was saying like losing to sean brady who no one knows is a bad loss even though the people who know know that it's actually not as bad a loss as it seems it just enforces how good sean brady is that's a bad loss man like and that's i guarantee you the commentary for this is going to be that statement hey a lot of people don't know how good sean brady is uh i guess dc is going to be the guy joe rogan's talking to but this guy is a savage he's an absolute killer in there and people just don't know yet but they're going to find out because he's going to come in here and try to rip kevin lee's arm off like it's they're going to try and sell it, and that's not going to work. So if he loses, it's pretty bad for him. He does have kind of the safety net where he can just say, you know what, I am going to go back to 155, and he can kind of keep playing that bounce-around game. But it's really it's really important he wins this fight. If, if he is committed to being a 170-er and trying to put his run together here, a win – a win here helps that a long way because he can get on the mic. He can do all the things that he can do on a mic. He can big up Sean Brady in, in victory and say, that guy, that guy's the guy that nobody wanted to fight because he doesn't have a name, but he's so damn tough. But if he doesn't, it's real bad. So yeah, I'm not going to say must, must win, but it's, it's a single must win, not a double must win. Are you with that, Jose? Single must win, or is this? Can we take it as far as a as a must must win, a double must win? Uh, I do agree that he has a safety net that he can go to one fifty five. Though, if you've watched any of his uh, latest interviews, you know with Helen Year, the Shmo, Kevin Lee's looking real big. So yeah, he had a couple injuries, he had a couple setbacks, but it seems like he's done two things with his time off, and that's get a head tattoo and get real muscular. So I don't know if he can go to one fifty five at this point in his career. I also don't understand why a lot of fans are saying like, Oh, Kevin Lee is going to be outsized this and that at welterweight again. 
They're both 28 years old. They are both five foot nine. And Kevin Lee has a five or six inch reach advantage over Sean Brady. So the only thing that, and he's a high level wrestler too. He just decides to strike and beat up high level strikers like Edson Barbosa. So uh, I don't think by any means is Kevin Lee. Uh, yes. Is he taking a risk? Should he win? Probably. But Sean Brady is a fantastic fighter. Uh, I know my opponent says, yeah, he went to a decision against court McGee court McGee survived overdoses in his life. So it's real hard to put men away that have literally been on the verge of death and not and not gone there. It was also his first ever UFC fight in, in the TD Garden in Boston, which I might add, the host of the show, Mike Heck, and I took the orange line to go cover that fight in Boston. <laughs> so uh, fun times all around for his first fight, you know, fighting a, a veteran, a tough fighter like Court McGee and not putting him away. Maybe Lights got some. Maybe they fight again, and he beats Court McGee. He stops. And so uh, maybe we're talking about Sean Brady one year from now uh, as being a future champion. But I, again... As I said before, A plus matchmaking all around, and I'm here for it. Yes, that was uh, for those who go back in the archives. I believe that was my MMA fighting debut was was that weekend. I think I did preview and post show. First time I ever yeah. appeared, and the wind blew those- away my camera and snapped <laughs> yeah. my tripod in half. Ah, oh, that day sucked. So cold and nasty. But uh, last thing on this, I know both of you sort of touched on it, but I want to get into it a little bit more. What does a win do for Sean Brady's career, Jose? I mean, the man, I I spoke with him for what the heck this week. He's been frustrated trying to find himself a fight that he feels he deserves. He's in the top 15. He's a highly touted prospect. He's been a highly touted prospect for a long time. I felt like getting in the UFC was long overdue for a guy like that, especially on in the tri-state region, the, the run he was putting on for CFFC, et cetera. But I get it. He's a very risky guy to fight at 170 right now if you're a ranked guy but i'm curious does a win for sean brady over kevin lee does that open up these doors for him like will people you know ranked above him be like you know what he just beat kevin lee this fight's way more enticing to me or do you think he's still gonna have some more struggles on this rise up the division if he goes out there and submits kevin lee like you know only only people that submit Kevin Lee are like the elite of the elite of lately in the UFC. You know, like Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira. If he goes out there and submits Kevin Lee, yeah, he's going to need a, a high-ranked opponent. But uh, he would be in that weird position like Benil Dariush or, you know, Bilal Muhammad, whereas they, their, phrase is, their phrase was high, incredibly high risk, low reward. And it's going to take a fighter uh, like Bilal Muhammad slotted in against Leon Edwards because it was a last-minute fight. Uh, and that kind of uh, propelled him into the fight against Damian Maya or Benil Dariush had to take a fight against Tony Ferguson, who was on a two fight losing streak, very popular fighter, uh, still a highly skilled fighter. But, you know, he, he Tony Ferguson couldn't say no to that fight. He's going to be in that position where, like, say, like the Neil Magnes of the world where they're losing like Neil Magny. Let's not forget his top 10. Sean Brady's right outside the top 10 of the welterweight rankings is Neil Magny, uh, the, the the biggest name in the UFC welterweight division? No, but he has a bunch of records, and he was probably at a point where, hey, hey, Neil Magny doesn't say no to any fight, uh, but it's going to take a fight like that, and I think uh, Sean Brady would probably need one more win to really legitimize himself in the welterweight rankings, but if he beats Kevin Lee, the phrase prospect and Sean Brady shouldn't be in the same sentence uh, because he would cement himself as a true contender, but in the eyes of the casual fans that maybe just tune in for the main, main cards, not the prelim cards, He's going to need another fight. The problem is the rest of the top five at 170 pounds aren't really fighting each other. It's kind of log jams right now. So 
Uh, Jeff Neal's also taking a whole bunch of time off. Hopefully he gets better because he has that gnarly, what is it, blood infection, so he's not going to be fighting for a bit. So Damian Maya is going to retire. He might have to fight back again, and it's just an unfortunate situation. But beat Kevin Lee, get the second half of your paycheck, and then we can talk from after that. Mr. Mishu, I know you sort of touched on this earlier, but uh, you know some some more wisdom from you, some elaboration, if you will, on uh, on your previous point. What does a win for Sean Brady do? Does it bust open those doors a little bit more? Does he start to get these big fights with the the top ten guys? Does he get you know some bigger names along the way? Like, is that a more enticing fight for some of these other guys if he goes out there and beats Kevin Lee? Nope. It does the minimum possible amount. A loss is catastrophic. A win keeps him where he's at. Look, I already I already explained this. The best thing Sean Brady could do for his career is to change his name to Thunder Jesus Brady because then people be like, oh, shit, <laughs> or Tom Brady. If he changes to Tom Brady, all the Boston people like you would just lose their minds. They'd be so pro Sean Brady right now, and that would at least would be a catch that would be like, okay, there's a reason to know you as opposed to Sean Brady, who I'm pretty sure I went to like third grade with. I, I went to third grade with Sean Brady. Is it the same one? No, this guy's got a lot of tattoos. That's not him. Never mind. I'm going to change the channel. Like That's the best thing he can do for his career because beating Kevin Lee, if he goes out and go-go plotas Kevin Lee, that is not going to do a damn bit for his stock. It's going to make the hardcore so people who watch this show will be like, wow, that dude's badass. I want to see him fight. And then what that's actually going to do is just make everybody at the top of the division be like, nope, super don't want to fight that guy because he's still named Sean Brady and no one knows who the hell he is. But he's throwing go-go's on fools now. Like, shit, I'm going to get absolutely embarrassed by this guy no one's heard of. Like, that's... That's a that is the worst possible low reward, high risk that can be done. So this doesn't do anything. It just keeps him winning. He is gonna have to John Fitch his way to a title. He's gonna have to win a hundred fights in the welterweight division. And so this there's one more stepping stone on that road, but this is not gonna be like, oh, he beat Kevin Lee. Floodgates are open. Everybody wants to fight him. It's gonna be, oh, he beat Kevin Lee. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and wait till Kamaru Usman picks me. It's an interesting matchup. I'm very excited for it. Uh, Sean Brady had a lot to say. It was kind of interesting to tap into that other side. And I will say also, I went to high school with a with gentleman named Sean Brady. But to, oh, to Jen's point, you, 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 you guys are acting you like going, Kevin <laughs> Lee is such a complicated name, too. How many Kevin Lees are there in the world? Oh, an infinite number, but Kevin Lee stands out. He has done, he has separated himself. Sean Brady has not done that. He, maybe he maybe you and Kevin really Lee can be the newest additions to the nation of domination because you both fit the demographic they're going for. Dope. Underratedly <laughs> dope. Is that, what, is that what you're talking about? You're just a couple of head tattoos <laughs> short of the nation of domination. Oh, maybe man. I haven't. It's hidden underneath the luscious flow. You don't know. <sighs> A compelling fourth round here on Between the Links. The point for round four goes to... Jose Yuri Prahashka Youngs. He gets the point. We are tied up at two. One can dream. One can dream of having hair like that. Yeah, well, I once had that dream, and that dream died like six years ago. But we accept it. We move on, and we uh, 
we accept our flaws and try to try to make it work for us. But now we're going to make the knockout round work for us. We're going to have one question. Neither of these gentlemen know what it is. In fact, until like 30 seconds ago, I had no idea what this question was because it's been a hell of a day. So I've been pondering in the car how I was going to do this, and I just landed on this momentarily. So for those who are new to the program, I will ask this question. Each of these individuals will have one minute to give their response. Once that is done, with the help of our wonderful viewers that are watching live on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube, we will turn it over to the Honorable Judge E. Casey Lydon, and he will crown the winner of Between the Links. And there he is on the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, the baddest stash in MMA media. Jed, you are the champ. You have the prerogative. Do you want to go first, or do you want to pass it on over to your best buddy, Jose Youngs? My best buddy is is you, Mike, and then A.K. Lee, but I'll pass it to my third best buddy, Jose Youngs. All right. Hey, bronze medal is still a medal, Jose. So that, that oh, that's good. And that's something you can take solace. Unless, <laughs> unless you're Ronda Rousey, then you're just a, then you're just an Olympic medalist. No mention of coming in third. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but if you're Logan Paul, fifth place is uh, is yeah, a very man. good thing in, in in the wrestling world. Fifth places but, are millionaires, apparently. That's right. And speaking of Mr. Logan Paul, that is what this question is based on because. There's a whole lot of shenanigans going on in Miami. Of course, on Sunday, Logan Paul is going to box Floyd Mayweather at an exhibition match on Showtime. I can't believe I'm saying these words into a live microphone, but it is happening. So the question that I have come up with in one minute or less, Jose, is if you could script out and write some sort of scene on the best way that this exhibition scenario, this whole circus plays out on Sunday, how would it go? What would make you the happiest person in the world as a fan to see this all play out in in just the way you would want it to? Because this is not a serious thing. This is Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather going to do something for however long it lasts. But what is the best case scenario in your mind? One minute on the clock. Go. Well, if we're talking in terms of what how we get paid, and that is driving clicks and video views and getting a bunch of traffic and also disable ad blocker so we can get money as a site. Uh, I would have to say, if you read the rules, there's really no disqualification allocated anywhere in the rules. So if, it, if I'm scripting just a, the most hilarious ending possible that will drive the most views is Logan Paul just gets so frustrated that he can't catch a man that is like 30 pounds lighter than him and he just goes back into his fifth place wrestling world and just double leg takedowns Floyd Mayweather out of the ring and then just chaos erupts in the humid climate of Miami and our good friend Oscar Willis is right there to get the view of Logan Paul being pulled off of an unconscious Floyd Mayweather who has just suffered his first ever double leg takedown and all of a sudden YouTube just falls apart and the internet explodes and social media doesn't exist and everyone can go outside and go about their day. All right, that would be a lot of fun. That that is quite the scenario as we turn it over to Jed Mishu, who is the mayor of fun in combat sports. He, uh, oh, hey, buddy. See, Welcome he's back. He's pretending oh. he's asleep just like I did on the fourth episode. Been there, done that, come up with a new joke. Okay. Well, Jed, uh, you as a of being a fan of of Triller and all the the fun stuff they do, and of course our good friends over at Fight Circus and all the fun that they do, you know, maybe you would put these two guys in this exhibition match in their world. 
So what would be the best case scenario for you? If you could draw out the best way that Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul goes down on Sunday so that you would enjoy it to its fullest, how would that go? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. All right. Floyd Mayweather comes out, comes to the Senate. They touch gloves. Floyd does his thing. The first round, Floyd, Floyd doesn't throw anything. Uh, Logan Paul, he swings. He just misses a bunch. Like, he takes big cannon-style, like, uppercuts from freaking Mortal Kombat. He's hitting nothing. He's not coming within a country mile of hitting Floyd Mayweather. Great. After round one, all right, Floyd wins a round without throwing a punch. Doesn't win a round, no judges, whatever. Round two, more of the same. Round three, Floyd starts grooving. He starts getting going. He's popping the jab out. By the close to the end of the bout, now Floyd's dancing on him. He's he's stunned. Logan Paul's getting frustrated. He, he's trying to wrestle and do all this stuff. He can't. Floyd, last possible round, just a huge error in judgment. For once, Floyd just forgets all his defensive responsibilities, puts his hands down, looks to the crowd, gets clocked by a huge right hand on the mat. KO, camera zooms in on his, his face and then Floyd opens his eyes, throws a little wink at the camera. <laughs> wow. Some vivid, vivid imaginations here on Between the Links. I'm so glad that that's the question I went with. We have two just magnificent ways that this fight could go on Sunday. And, of course, we will have your coverage right here on MMAfighting.com. But at this point, uh, we'll turn it over to Casey in a moment, let the the, the rulings from the viewers come in. Uh, We will have a preview show coming up tomorrow, previewing UFC Vegas 28. We will also be previewing during that preview show this awesome fight and Maybe we will recap these wonderful responses on that preview show as well. And of course, before the UFC card, 30 minutes before, I believe as of right now, if everything stays intact, 3.30 Eastern time, we will have the People's Pre-Fight Show answering all of your questions, getting you fired up for that event. But right now, this event needs to come to an end. Someone needs to be a champion. Who will it be, Casey Lydon? Man, wonderful answers, gentlemen. But I've made a decision. I I, I just I I hate I hate I hate picking a winner, but someone has to win. So here we go. Your winner. And still, Jed Mishu. He gets it done. The wink at the end. I knew the (laughs) wink. It was the wink. It was the wink. The wink. Can you imagine if that happened? The internet would explode. It was the wink. So much traffic. It was the wink. Yeah, if they if they inserted like a sound effect, a little like sparkly eyed sound effect. Oh man, like the (laughs) Sandlot. Yes. Like the Sandlot when Squins was faking like he was drowning before Wendy Peppercorn yeah. gave him a little smooch. That's that that would be wonderful. So Jed Mishu gets the win, still the interim champion. Pretty soon that's gonna probably be a full-fledged title unless Phoenix Carnavali decides to grace us with her presence once again. But Jed, you know how this all works. 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. If you want to uh, further your call out, 
The floor is yours, my friend. It's going to be a two-parter. The first thing, very quickly, I didn't mention this earlier because I knew I'd be here. I am just so bummed that Tyron Woodley and Jake Paul is not happening with our friends at Triller because Showtime Boxing is going to, they're going to treat this like regular boxing, which is fine, still fun, but I want the whole Triller experience, baby. So I'm a little let down by that. However, the rest of this time, look, I, my record's wrong up there. It should say four and one against Jose Young's, but that's fine. Uh, Jose Young's can always come get this work. He's he's super fun to battle, but I'd really like to battle him with Sean Alshadi because, I mean, honestly, the two of them against me, maybe that evens the playing field from them. So it's probably unfair to give me Fernando Cotis, but I, I think the two on two, that's what we do. The tag team champions of the world. We want the best challenge. I don't know if they're the best challenge, but it'd, it'd be a hell of a good time. I like that idea. I like the tag team things. mixes it mixes it up a little bit. And Jose, it was a, a, a incredible effort. This was quite the battle. Your thoughts on Casey's decision? Well, it was nice to meet Jed. Uh, I'm sure I'll look for wherever your work is. I don't think I've ever seen it uh, anywhere else again. Um, hopefully, by then you will uh, learn, you know, compound words and contractions and apostrophes and everything and then you can physically read a book but that is a fantastic segue that i will plug the thing i plug is the end of the a side live chat and that is you go to comic books for kids.org and you can sub you can donate all of your comic books to over 175 children's hospitals and cancer centers across the country and in canada to help kids who are battling an actual fight not not a fist fight a fight for their lives and you can give them all of your old comic books maybe uh you've grown up uh i don't like using that word but maybe you don't read comic books anymore uh maybe you just have a surplus of comic books maybe you're just trying to you know uh you want to sell them to move into a house and instead of selling them donate them to a hospital or a cancer center and children who can't leave and enjoy television like jake paul versus uh ty woodley in the comfort of their own home they can instead read some fantastic children-friendly superhero comic books in the hospital and they can escape for at least a good 60 minutes uh into the enchantment of the mind that is dc or marvel comic books that is comicbooksforkids.org well done well, well done, done jose yes even got some some praise from jed Mishu there so that, i mean you can't really well, boo yeah talking a charity you cannot <laughs> yes especially that's not true. One for kids with cancer. yes impossible. that is true I think I think everybody is in agreement on that, and it's the most it's a very positive way to end the program. So uh, thank you so much for watching. We'll be back here next week on Between the Links. Maybe we'll have a tag team matchup. I have a feeling that it might happen if we can swing. I don't know. Jose is going to be a very busy man next week, so I don't know if we can make That's that right. happen. At some point, we will make it happen. Jose will be in beautiful and scenic Glendale, Arizona, for UFC 263, uh, and I will be visiting beautiful and scenic. Mohegan Sun next week for some Bellator coverage. So we got y'all bookended here on MMAfighting.com. But until next week, for Jed Mishu, Jose Young's Casey Lyon on the ones and twos, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. Production on the Vox Media Network. This is Esther Lynn. I messed that up. I'm sorry. Casey messed that up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Oh, crap. We're live. Uh, Happy birthday, Yay Yay! This is Yay Yay! This is Estrogen! <laughs> Crap! Wow. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.